Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Hey, I'm Gene. I'm part of the team here at Restore. And uh, what a privilege it is to be together with all of you again this morning. I want to introduce uh, my friends that have joined me on stage this morning. Uh, first of all, um, Aubrey Hunsberger is here, and she's a local therapist. Uh, Mark Waltz is here, and um, he is a former boss of mine and um, is, uh, I don't know, he used to be a pastor. I don't think pastoring ever leaves us, but um, he's got a pastor's heart. And uh, he is now leading cohorts, wellness cohorts, uh, consulting with churches, and uh, a variety of things that um, keep them both very busy. So uh, can you give them a big restore welcome this morning? So one could ask, why are we having this conversation this morning? Well, uh, based on my conversations with all of you, or some of you, uh, this is something that is really needed. Our mental health has uh, not been as, um, as healthy as it could be. And so one of the things we love to do here is provide tools so that not only do we have conversation around here about who God is and how he works in our lives and what he's about, what he's doing in our lives, but we also want to be able to speak in ways in which when you walk out of this place, you can actually have tools to put in your toolbox for the next day. So you can, it's, it's like you're walking out of here and now I know how I'm gonna connect with some of the people that I'm gonna encounter this coming week. So uh, this weekend is called Paradigm Shift because when we get, uh, Paradigm Shift is simply saying that when we get new information, when we learn some new truths, then we have to make a decision if we will move into that new space or if we will capitulate to what we've always done and get the same results we've always gotten. See, this is key. If we're going to move forward in our lives, if we're going to get better, if we're going to get more healthy, then we get to decide, well, as I learn new things, what am I going to do with that new information? Uh, for many of us, uh, a paradigm shift is what is needed in order for us to move into a place of health and thriving. And that means that some of the perceptions and beliefs that we've had, and that we've always assumed to be true, need to shift. Now, Scripture tells us that we would, uh, uh, it implores us, to remove from our lives all those things that are not true, that are not lovely, that are not good, that are not noble, and the list goes on. Removing those things from our lives. And yet when life comes at us and we begin to feel like we have a deficit of positive input, like everything's going wrong. Our, our perspective shifts to that. Like when am I ever going to actually have something good happen in my life. You ever feel like that? Your perspective shifts, it becomes very negative. And unless we are really, really aware of our mental health and our, uh, our capacity to reject that faulty thinking, we may begin to just think that we just deserve this. This is, this is my lot in life. This is what I deserve. This is what's happening. It must be what is supposed to be happening in our lives. 
in my life and in your life. And we're here to help this morning because many of us, if we, especially since COVID, like hopelessness, it's indicative in our suicide rates. It's indicative in our relational health with each other. It's indicative when we look at the, the, the ways in which even those of us in the local church, the ways in which we act and think like we are the hope of the world. God has placed his spirit within us. We of all people need to be hopeful. And yet the truth is we're also human. In fact, we're first of all human, aren't we? We are created in the image of Almighty God who is the sustainer of our hope. Like he is, he is our source of hope. And yet in the day-to-day life that we live, we find ourselves many times in a place where hopelessness is the primary way that we feel. So with that opening, let's now turn to our guests and Aubrey. Uh, we would love to know, like, first of all, uh, you're a local therapist. Why? Why did you go into therapy? Like, what, what's up with that? Um, I followed God's leading and went. Easy answer. No. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just been something within me since I was a kid and um, don't know what to say. I guess in my path and my leading to this, there was just a lot that someone brought to light that um, people were drawn to me. Um, even in my own family, I was kind of like the person to talk to, uh, kept things confidential. And so fast forward and I'm in a career and it's not fulfilling and I'm feeling a nudge and found my support people who knew me to be able to have conversations with them. Um, spent, like I said, a year just with a mentor talking about, I don't know if this is my path or not, talking with my husband. I don't know, does this seem like a good idea or not? And coming to the conclusion after a year that this is my path and it's not going to be a cakewalk, but um, yeah, that, that's kind of what led me in the, in the way of, of therapy. And then on that path came my own anxiety, which gave me experience in therapy. Lay therapy within a church. I had a lay counselor as well as clinical. And so I'm kind of a byproduct of that along my path in education too. So, Yeah, that's beautiful. And Mark, how is it that you uh, moved from pastoring uh, as a as a profession, if you will, to now developing these cohorts and, well, you've continued to coach congregations and that yeah. sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> so I guess a couple of things. One, a uh, few decades ago, I found myself at a really, uh, at the bottom, um, emotionally, mentally, um, depression, suicidal ideation. Um, so that's one part of my story. In fact, I remember back in those, coming out of that in recovery, saying to God, don't you dare use this. Um, you told God he shouldn't use it. I told God that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can see how that worked out. Yep, yep. So, uh, and then through COVID, um, my work in business tanked, which is the story of many of us um, in some way or other. And so being aware of my own need for resilience in that time and being aware of so many pastors, church leaders um, wanting to resign or actually resigning because they were at the end of their rope and knowing how to lead effectively and, and facing, as many of us did, our own interior um, hurt and um, 
and stuckness. So looking for my voice and asking uh, God, how do I speak into this? Uh, what do I bring? What do I offer? So being aware that it uh, wasn't a simple webinar or a one-day workshop, but it takes time to reset and learn new patterns and rhythms of well-being that honor the way God's created us as body, mind, soul, and strength and relational beings. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Um, as you look out over the congregation this morning, and uh, you, you'll recognize that um, most of us, uh, most of them are between 25 and 45, and there's a few of us that are older than that. But uh, you're, they're in the thick of things when it comes to their families and navigating uh, kids. And, uh, and I know that like Brenda and I, when we were that age, we did not, uh, we weren't real good about taking care of ourselves because of the busyness and, um, and frankly, sometimes our emotional needs were just put on the shelf because other things were on fire. What would you say, we'll, we'll just jump right in, but what would you say to all of them, all of us, about the necessity of self-care? Like is, both of you work in this field. So what would you say is like, um, when should you step into getting help? Well, I'm sure for all of you, it looks different depending where you're at. <laughs> Very young kids, um, it's, it's probably really hard to find that time. Um, but I would encourage everybody that it is necessity. Um, it, it will, it does catch up with you. I mean, I feel like in ways your path narrows to the point that now I have to. Um, so just, just being mindful of, you know, for yourself, what are those telltale signs that it's like, okay, I'm hanging on by a thread here. You know, maybe it's coming home from a stressful day at work and it's like, you know, walking in, you're walking in with the stress at a six and now here comes your child and you're reacting at an eight when really it should maybe be like a two reaction, but you, they didn't know you're carrying the six and then, you know. So, so I would just say that um, self-care is just something that get creative with it, have a feeling everybody's creative and that's sometimes what you have to do but, you know, if one day is full, just know that you've, you've got to be able to find the time, you know, however that looks. So. Did you just slip into Enneagram talk? A six and I an slip into things that I don't recognize <laughs> I do. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Mark. So, um, first of all, I don't know. Maybe I missed this, but you're going to see questions at... Leave room for questions? Oh, yes. Thank yeah. you for reminding me. We are. This, the uh, number, there's going to be a number on the screen. There you go. Um, we are taking questions. So if you want to text a question in, you can go ahead and do that. We'll also have a microphone up here at the, at the end of the service. We'll have a microphone up here for you to walk up to if you'd prefer to do it in person. And some of you would. So we'll have that available. But uh, even now, you can begin texting in questions that we will uh, give to uh, Mark and Aubrey at the end of, the, the, uh, end of our time. Thank you. Yeah, so self-care. Um, Parker Palmer, one of my favorite authors, says self-care is never a selfish act. It's simply responsible thing that I do to take care of the only gift I have that I give to others. Um, and it also acknowledges, again, the way God's created us. To, to take care of myself is not to just pay attention to my spirituality, but to understand that my spirituality is all-encompassing of my whole being, mental, emotional, physical, relational. Um, and so 
I think it's just, it is the responsible thing to do, uh, to look at God and say, you've given me this gift of me. How do I take care of this? Uh, for my benefit and the benefit of others, and certainly to bring glory to, to my creator. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just imperative. And our, and our resistance or our lack of doing so means we end up in crisis and end up being forced to take care of ourselves in ways that had we done so along the way, we might have avoided or at least uh, minimized the crash. I remember the first time I ever stepped into a therapist's office and how frightening it was because I didn't know what to expect. And then the, the, the relief that rolled off of my shoulders because someone knew something about me that nobody else would know. And uh, that uh, building a trusting relationship with someone who is holding things confidentially and able to help you process, that has been one of the greatest gifts for me. And then this last year, the best thing that I've ever, I mean, I've done in recent history for myself is a, uh, a coach, a life and leadership coach that began to speak into my life. And again, it was one of those places where it was confidential. It was uh, him uh, being very, like he's used to working with those of us that lead. And so he didn't back off of saying the hard things. And that's the other important con component for me was just that the, knowing that he would speak the truth to me as he saw it, right? And, and um, it was in incredibly helpful. So if you don't have a coach or if you don't have a therapist or um, if, if you don't have someone that you want to be in relationship with in a cohort situation, which is what Mark does, like sometimes we need one-on-one. -on -one. Sometimes we need a group uh, of people speaking into our lives. It's not all things for all people, but what is all things for all people is having those safe spaces that we know that we can communicate with someone who hears us, asks us the great questions that will stimulate more thoughts. And in the mix of all of that, uh, both of you, uh, I know that both of you operate in this area of, of asking the Holy Spirit to be present, to be informing, because all of us, like we can, we have, we have uh, the mental capacity to help. But that is 10x when we invite the Holy Spirit into the mix to say, what do I know and what do I need to know? What do I know right now, but what do I also need to know? And, uh, and hearing that response from the Holy Spirit. So I, um, a little bit of, a little bit of uh, research brings up these, these kinds of stats. Uh, we did a series at the beginning of the year called Find Your People and Love Your Neighbor. And a lot of that had to do with uh, connecting with each other, the significance of connecting to, with each other to uh, uh, get us to a place where our mental health is in a better place. I mean, you know, that has direct implications, whether you're isolated or whether you are connected with people. If you're lonely, it's likely that uh, your mental health will suffer. And um, every age group and every demographic is lonelier than ever before. Uh, three in five adults say this is true about them. 70% of leaders feel alone. 70% of leaders feel alone. Less than one out of every five moms would say, I trust my community with my faults and weaknesses. You hear that? Less than one out of every five moms would say, I trust my community with my faults and weaknesses. 
men particularly are five times lonelier today than they were 33 years ago in 1990. It's really significant when we lack intimate and authentic relationships that we absolutely have to have to thrive. Well, our health is just going to be deeply impacted. And some of you are here today and you are uh, in the middle of feeling incredibly lonely, like you're, you're feeling isolated. And a lot of us have never recovered from 2020 and 2021, like we're still digging our way out. And I just, I hope that as we continue to talk that you have, that you're encouraged, that you're encouraged that there is a way forward. There is hope. We are the local church. We are people of hope. And yet we feel hopelessness. And that is that is not to shame you. It is just the reality of our circumstances. When we feel this way, uh, I think we can look at that and say, that's my body raising a red flag and saying, I need help. I can't do this alone. And um, I, I forgot to say this the last, the last service, but I uh, want you to know that we are working with um, some therapists to see if we can open up some space here at Restore for you all. And that is a difficult thing to do because therapists have never been busier than they are right now and have been since COVID. But that's, I just want you to know that that's coming. We're working hard at that to create space here at, uh, at Restore. So let me ask you guys, um, as followers of Jesus, we feel guilty sometimes for this lack of hope that we feel uh, when we're anxious. Are we just not trusting enough? Like, what gives with people of hope feeling hopelessness? Can you help us with that? Give us some insight. Um, I think when I work with, again, talking from my office perspective, um, I mean, and just you know, as a follower, it, it can be a growth point. It can be an opportunity for growth. It can be that maybe, again, this is not a guilt, shame, but sometimes we don't even recognize we can maybe have a little bit of tunnel vision in what's going on in a way that to be able to talk to somebody, um, and sometimes it's helpful if it is somebody that, yeah, is sort of anonymous, doesn't. I've had people sit in my office and say, Oh, it's such a relief. You don't know my family. You don't know my friends. You don't know my workplace. And I'm like, true, but tell me more about that. Um, but yeah, it can help. Just maybe that's a point um, of, of hopelessness. I'm not sure how people feel about this. With purpose in that way to just know, I mean, God's not going to abandon you. But how do we need to maybe look for Him to him in new ways? It's kind of how I work when people come in with that hopelessness, but we've all got a different path in that too, so. Um, it occurs to me that uh, hope isn't mere optimism. Uh, hope um, or hopelessness comes from a lot of assumptions. When we feel like we're out of options, um, then we feel stuck and hopeless. Um, so it's recalibrating um, paying attention to where I am right now, to ask really critical questions. Again, more than just, I'm going to switch gears to optimism now. It, it is to acknowledge what am I feeling in my body? Where are my emotions? 
And what do I want to ask about that? What do I want to understand about that? What's, what's creating that within me? And I know for me, that's often false beliefs that I haven't even realized were there, buried deep inside of me. Even as a Christ follower, as a pastor, listening to, and we all know these voices in our head. Um, They're all too familiar. Yeah, all too familiar. Um, you're not enough. That was stupid. Uh, you don't deserve this. Um, and I would add, too, about loneliness. When we hear those voices, we fall asleep at night, feeling like we're the only ones who feel that way, who hear that, and that no one else knows what I feel. That's a lonely place to be. Um, so creating, developing, leaning movement from hopelessness to hopeful is, I think, a combination of sitting with, knowing God's present in that hopelessness, and also acting, um, taking action to, to replace and question uh, what's going on inside of me. Which takes courage. And, and everything we're talking about, really, like, if you, if you, um, if you are scared and fearful to, to open that door, you have to know that's normal. Like, I, I think that's true for anybody that steps into spaces where they have, that are unfamiliar. Some of you know that I, I grew up in an Amish family, and so my, my aunts and uncles, they're Amish, and this past uh, week, one of my uncles passed away, and, and I had this uh, experience, which I have had repeatedly, where I didn't, I didn't have a full-blown, like, anxiety or panic attack, but I felt the physical reaction to what I knew I was going to step into. And my family is loving and caring. It's not that. It is the, the space of the unfamiliar that, that caused, and, and some experiences that aren't all that great, but for the most part, like I, it's, it's this thing that is born out of my own um, thought process. And so as I'm getting to the point where I'm about to leave my house yesterday morning to go to this memorial service, I could feel this anxiety just rise up in me. And I knew the service started at 9.30, but I'm halfway there and I'm like, what if this started at nine o'clock? And my brain starts wondering, like, well, what am I, like, what if I'm a half hour late? What if I'm not there on time? And I felt this panic rise up that was ridiculous. Like I knew in my head, like, okay, stop, right? But in the moment, until, I mean, the closer I got, the more it ramped up. And um, it was very interesting to sort of be like problem solving in the moment because I began to recognize, oh, I've been here before. I've done this before. In fact, every time I get into this circumstance of the unfamiliar, of, of not knowing quite what to expect, because like, who am I going to sit with? Like, who, who else is, 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 is everybody going to look and turn when I walk in? Like, is everybody going to look at me? It's not so unfamiliar to all of you who might have, some of you are here for the very first time this morning. I just have to tell you, that's courageous. It is not fun. I am a pastor. There's few things I, I like less than walking into a new church. It is 
the unexpected. It's like, what's going to happen next? What do we do? Who do we see? Like, will they welcome me? Will I be looked at strangely? Like, all of those things play into our mental health. And we think that mental health is this big thing. Well, it is a big thing, but it's normal for us to experience issues with our mental health. And we're, I think we're many ways, we're just now getting to the point of saying, okay, here's what's true. And beginning to make it more commonplace to talk about things that we have, should have been talking about for a very long time. Aubrey, I know that you, uh, you use uh, a process, several different ways of connecting with people, but I'm especially uh, interested in the healing prayer or uh, what is the other word you used with that? Um, they call it inner healing inner prayer. Inner healing prayer, Sometimes sure. it's been called formational prayer. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They've changed the words around a yeah. lot since I trained. Um, but yeah, it's, it's basically an element that, um, you know, believers, uh, I don't have to say unbelievers, but wherever you're at in the process of belief systems, you're welcome in the office. You know, oftentimes when it's a believer, we use this technique, you know, and, um, but we can, hey, non-believers as well, you know, unbelievers. We, where we just kind of, it's mindfulness. It taps into, so when we talk about like, presence, mindfulness, just being able to use this as um, something to build a strength. I don't think I spoke to this last time, but strength within, like, so tools, you're talking about tools, that to be just sort of present, a space is what we call it, that we use our imagination with uh, our thoughts. You know, as we said, our thoughts can take us down a path. And with anxiety, especially, we can get into worst case scenario upon building upon and this is something to say, let's take that energy, let's take a moment, let's, let's be mindful. Where's a place that you can think about, real or imagined, you know, that just brings a sense of peace and calm. And when we're in the midst of stress and anxiety and turmoil, sometimes, you know, just tuning into this, I've seen people in my office, we just, we tune into that peace and calm. And it's almost like reminding the body, hey, we can do this too. And then this becomes a meeting place. We, you know, invite the Holy Spirit and we can, however, bring Jesus into this scene. Or I tell people, if you don't want to right now, that's okay. He's, he's all right with that too. Some people it's been seeing, you know, like just taking your imagination and visualizing and sometimes they'll visualize him. Sometimes it's something they've always had present in their life that comes to mind, which I think is kind of cool. Someone had like a formation of uh, peace and turned out they had a tattoo that matched that because that was always something in their life that represented him. So, so bringing this in that is a tool that because I like to equip people with tools to walk out that office that forbid, but if it happens, my door's shut tomorrow. <laughs> gonna be okay, and you'll know your resources where to go. So, Mark, when in your cohorts, um, and last question here before we go to questions from the congregation. But um, in your cohorts, uh, what are some of the like the stats that I just read a little bit ago, like I'm assuming that you see that to be true in the conversations you have. And um, are there some that are more uh, prevalent than others? Or what are the dynamics of your cohorts when it comes to that sort of thing? Yeah, I think, I think some come into the cohort um, because they are crispy. They're burned out. Um, they, don't have, they don't know what else to do. Um, there are others who are self-aware enough to know they want to avoid burnout. Um, and almost everyone 
is at a place of feeling some level of stress, anxiety, a need to find rhythms and practices that bring sustainability. Um, we often think that um, we just keep adding some new practice. Um, we can keep our pace going, but you don't add without subtracting. And so the, the toughest thing that I find that's common among folks in the cohort is the extent to which we seldom practice being silent um, and practicing contemplative prayers, um, pausing. That's a, that's a huge, huge factor to our detriment. And we just keep moving and moving and moving. We don't have time to listen to God within. Yeah. Have you found um, specific, um, I don't know, uh, prayers or uh, specific uh, things, practices that you have incorporated into your own life that have been life transforming for you? Yeah. Um, and I'll just say when it comes to like meditation and mindfulness that you just use that word, um, I grew up like, oh, no, we're not, we can't go there. Um, the reality is God created this intended to be integrated being. And so, yes, I, I, I do. One practice I have is um, most mornings I find a Chair, favorite chair in my office. I light a candle. I put my phone away from me. Um, and I will either, um, usually I do this, use a prayer by Father Thomas Keating called the Welcome Prayer, uh, which is a prayer of surrender um, that I pray. Um, sometimes I use a, a centering breath prayer, like um, use Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. And I'll breathe deeply half that verse and excel the rest of that verse. And then sit in silence. Um, it's ideal when it's just the candle creating light in the room. That candle light reminds me that God's present. Um, it also allows me a piece in the room to focus on when my mind drifts and begins to run away. I can come back to that, that center point. I love that. So good. Jordan, do we have questions? Yes, we do. Uh, first one is this. How do you navigate other people's expectations of you when you're mentally struggling and not willing or able to walk the path God calls us to walk. I want to speak first to the people with those expectations. <laughs> Cut it out. Um, we, we don't uh, understand ourselves. I'll speak for myself, and I'm projecting I know. We don't understand ourselves well, and yet we pretend to understand everyone else around us. We have to let go of that and um, acknowledge that often what people need around us is, is a sense of presence, that there's someone who's in my space, in my life, who actually cares enough to show up and often just do that, show up. I'm going to let Aubrey answer the other half of that question. Uh, could you repeat the other half of that question? <laughs> the people, how do, I, how do I respond to those expectations people? Oh, okay. When you're not, uh, when you're mentally struggling and not willing or able to walk that narrow path that God has called us okay. to walk, how do you navigate that? Mm. Okay. Well, I think piggybacking to what he said, I mean, I think when we think about what others' expectations are, are doing to us, how they're affecting us, if we can think about that, again, I think grounding, knowing who you are on a level, we're always growing, so we're always changing as well. 
Um, but just recognizing, I don't know if what they're speaking to is just that those expectations are causing a struggle for them. Um, but also I would encourage if this was someone in my office, healthy boundaries. Like if it's, a, if it's something where at this time, this person, if it's possible, you know, you just limit interactions. Um, and to not let yourself feel guilty like you're, you're meant to or the expectations are you have to. Sometimes we just need to step away from people even that we love. It's, it's trickier in families, I get it. But um, to just honor that, that it's like I just need some space now for myself to step back, understand these expectations, heal and, and stay grounded. Good, thank you. By the way, the microphone up here is available if someone wants to come up and uh, ask the question in person. Uh, you can sit in the seat right behind Jordan there and um, he can hand you the mic. But until then, uh, we'll go to the next one. Yeah. How do you justify or discern self-care of things, okay? Um, how do you justify discern self-care over, uh, from overindulgence of those things? So like, whether it be um, hobbies or um, being, you know, let's say in family context, being away from the family to, you know, invest in yourself or spending money on unnecessary things or even overeating is what is written here. How do you justify or discern self-care in those things? This seems presumptuous of me, um, but it, I wonder if the person asking the question is um, in a relationship with someone who's selfish, um, which is very different than self-care. And um, when we move to a place of, um, this is for me, and I, my, my agenda in life now is to make sure I'm happy all the time and doing all the things I love, um, that's an overindulgence. Same thing I would say, it might be tangential to the question, but it is... There are stages of life where our self-care looks very different from someone else's. Um, young families, young parents um, with young children at home, uh, you hear us talking about silence and a practice in the morning with a candle and any kind of stop and pray. You're going, when is that supposed to happen? Yeah, they just want to pee by themselves. Right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, and so when Aubrey said a moment ago, be creative, uh, I think it's, it's this real challenge to to find a friend and explore, how do I actually, what does this look like? Um, and to find friends or family members who are willing to help us have that self-care time. Um, so, spouses, I really think part of our role is to help our spouse find space. That means I've gotta step up, I'm gonna take care of the kids for a while, I'm gonna avoid, enough of that, so yeah. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, it is, I, I guess my first thought that came to my mind when that question was read was, you know how when you're eating your favorite ice cream and you keep, I, I eat, I don't get the bowl out. Anyways, I'm eating from the container and then pretty much like, you know, 12 bites in, it's like, this isn't as exciting as it used to. <laughs> Maybe with that with self, like, right, we want to keep a balance to everything. So I guess that's what came to mind with that question was also just paying attention to yourself in that way of balance when it comes to this to self-care, learning to build trust in yourself too that you'll you'll know and how to navigate. What are steps we can take to change old pathways of shame that pop up here and there?
Um, one, I think, from my own experience, um, I need to shed the expectation that I'm someday going to be over this. And I don't mean that I can't find hope and peace and confidence and identity in Christ. Uh, not at all. Um, but rather, um, there is this voice of shame that often rises up in us that says, I don't deserve, I'm not worth it, I'm not good enough. Um, and I think there's, there's a lifelong acknowledgement of a, I'm going to battle that. I'm going to be challenged with that. Um, to address it, though, one, most of our shame issues come from relationships that are broken. And so healing is going to come in relationships. Probably not those same ones. But other community is going to be a key, key factor in, in recovering, living above, and thriving beyond shame. Um, I think another we've talked about is, is what are those ruts, those mental ruts that I'm in, and how do I not just stop them, but how do I understand them? Um, and, and spending time to, to actually go there, right? Uh, where is this coming from? Um, and then replacing those, those ruts uh, over time, being really intentional to practice um, ways of putting truth into my life, into my being, yeah. I would just say too, I mean, in that, like that, pay attention to that voice within you, that, you know, how you're speaking to yourself about that as well. And I always encourage people too, it's like, we wanna make sure it's, it's something that's nurturing, you know, that, that it's gonna be helpful to us. And if it's not, I always say, look for those people again in relationship that you have, that can sometimes stand in the place of the nurturing voice you can't give yourself. It's good to have those people in your life, too, that help you get it, get that voice back in track. Yeah, so good. All right, this is a little longer one, so hang with me. It says, lots of conversation about how important it is to take time away to be with God and work on ourselves. But that's inherently implying that it is not possible to be filled up in the spirit and be growing in the midst of being busy and doing the things that we love. Is this what we are saying? I, I love that question. Again, one of my favorite authors, Parker Palmer, wrote a book called The Active Life. And Parker is a contemplative Quaker. And... Um, this is an important book of his because he, he juxtaposes everything he said about seeking silence, well-being, self-care with what it means to live the active life and find that God isn't just present in my silence, but God desires to be present in all my activity. And when Paul says pray without ceasing, it is, as I understand prayer more and more, to understand prayer is experiencing God's presence, being present to God's presence. Um, to live my life in such a way that I, everything becomes a sacred experience. Even the question about overindulgence with self-care, it's like, I don't know, is it ever okay to stop savoring the richness of this food that I'm eating with gratitude? Um, I, I think it's a lifestyle, and, and that's the lifelong work we're doing, I'm doing. How does this become more and more, not just a rhythm and pause, but a consistent lifestyle for me? Yeah, I, I would agree with all of that as well. I think one of the things in my 
in my office and things I encourage people in is that we're always going to be growing. I mean, so, so yeah, like finding like, what is it, what does God mean to you here in this service, in your quiet time, in the busyness of the grocery store or someone just cut me off in traffic. I work on that one a lot. Um, things like that. Like, yeah, like that it's not like, again, as I've shared, I've picture myself sometimes sitting on a bench with Jesus and I'm like, here, you wait here and I'll go here. Um, you know, and then that's when some of the distressing things start coming up and I'm like, no, no, I got to come back and meet him and, and invite him along. So I think that's part of it too, is, is just for yourself, maybe even being able to contemplate that, having time to do that and just, hey, when you're in the busyness, like check in with yourself, check in with God. I don't know. Yeah, that's so good. Great questions. Uh, we need to close our time together this morning. Uh, what I want to say to all of you is that as you, um, as you process some of what you maybe have heard this morning, uh, I'd encourage you to, uh, to not be shy about looking for resources wherever you live, wherever you, uh, wherever you need that to happen. Look for resources, look for people and we can help you with that. Uh, Mark can help you with that. Aubrey can help you with that. I can. Uh, they'll be in the lobby after service if you'd like a conversation with them. They'd be more than happy to have that. What I always hope for is that when, we, uh, when we're together like this, that our, our hope quotient increases, that we have more hope when we leave here than we did when we came in. And I hope that's true for you this morning again. Because the God of all hope sustains us. He created us. He knows all about these things inside of us that feel misaligned. And sometimes they frankly are very misaligned. And that's a lot of our conversation this morning. So much of what I hope for you and us as a congregation is that we will continue to align ourselves with the only hope that we can depend on 24-7 is Jesus. So keep aligning ourselves with him and watch what he might do in our lives. Let me pray for us. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, we want to just say thank you. Thank you for your graciousness to us. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this time together. I'm grateful for Mark and Aubrey, and I'm grateful for the work that they're doing. May you just continue to bless them in their work as they uh, listen to you and then speak into people's lives. Would you just give them an... Uh, an extra portion of sensitivity toward you, Holy Spirit. Inform their every waking moment, every step they take, every conversation they have. May it be just intertwined with your thoughts and your ways. Father, for us, as we, have, uh, as we contemplate what we've heard this morning, as we, as we begin to apply these things to our lives, may we be the people that bring hope to every corner of this community, every hope, every corner of the world, hope, in, in every space we walk into, every space we move into, may we be the people that bring you, the power of your spirit, along with us. God, we look for and expect transformation. We expect restoration. We expect healing. And we expect you to move in our lives as we continue to surrender ourselves to you. So we give you thanks, and we're grateful. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.